Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can we give the Lord some praise? He's worthy of the glory. He's worthy of the honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can someone say thank you, Jesus? Well, before I go any further, I want to introduce my wife, uh, Darlene Miller. She's going to render the sermonic solo, and then we're going to take it from there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I am really enjoying myself this morning, fellowshipping with you all. Praise God. But I know I only have three minutes, so I'm going to take us on in to prepare to receive the word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, you have been good. You have been faithful through all generations. Oh, Lord, you have been good. You have been faithful through all generations. For by your hands we have been fed, and by your Spirit. We have been led, oh Lord, oh Lord, you have been good, you have been faithful through all generations. For by your hands we have been fed and by your Spirit, we have been led, oh Lord, oh Lord, almighty God, Father unchanging. You've been our salvation, Father unchanging. You've been our salvation, and you have been faithful through all generations. Oh, yes, you have been faithful 
Hallelujah. Aren't you so glad that we serve a faithful God? Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your love and kindness. We thank you for just being so good. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We ask, Lord, that you'll take us out of the way and you have your way. I must decrease while you increase. Speak your word to these, your people. And God, we give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just say amen? I just want to first give honor to God who is my life. I want to give honor to President Hagen in his absence. I want to give honor to uh, Dr. Denton, Dr. Leeper, and my own boss, my dean, Professor Bill Tibbetts, to my colleagues in the, in the, in the School of Cobat, College of Business and Technology, to all my colleagues, all the professors, to all the staff, and to all the precious students here at North Central University. I want to also give honor to my lovely wife for rendering the sermonic solo and to the contingency of my members being here. If you could just raise your hand real quick. Amen. And so without any further ado, I am a Kojic preacher, so we, know we, we tend to take a little bit of time, but I am going to be respectful of the time, so if you'll turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to start at verse 1. The topic of my message is, why not you? Why not you? Actually, you know what? Before we, I'm so, in so much in a rush, I didn't get to show you my family. Let's go back real quick. The Miller family. That's my lovely mother. She lives with us. She's 86 years old. We ask that you'll continue to pray her strength. Let's go into the next one. This is my son, Blake Miller. He's a senior at uh, Liberty University. Amen. And he's wrapping it up. He's in his last semester. Next slide. My daughter, Mandolin Miller. She's a sophomore at Iowa State University. And then, last but not least, my lovely wife, Darlene Miller. We've been married for some 26 years. All right, let's get to the, let's get to the word. Let's get to the word. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 7. And David said unto him, Mephibosheth, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread all at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Oftentimes when we hear a preacher refer to why not you, it's in reference to suffering trials and tribulations. We ask the question, why me? Why should I go through such hardship? The preacher answers, why not you go through difficulty? Why not you go through hardships? Why not you go through trouble? We recognize, saved or unsaved, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. I want us to take a look at the other side of why not you. Some of us have asked the question, why should I be blessed? And 
And I say, why not you? We see that this is the case in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8. Mephibosheth is essentially asking the question, why should I be blessed, a dead dog such as myself? King David is fulfilling the covenant promise that he made with Jonathan. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 14 through 17. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love. Even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David saying, may the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of his friendship again. For Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. King David finds Mephibosheth and offers to bless him because Mephibosheth is uh, Saul's grandson and Jonathan's son. But Mephibosheth responds is, why me? a dead dog such as myself. The scripture states that he bowed himself. It was a gesture of gratitude and humility, yet more so his overwhelming disposition was one of unworthiness. He felt unworthy to enjoy such a favor. We are not worthy of God's love, mercy, forgiveness, and grace, but because we are his children, we are blessed and receive God's favor. But as of many has received him, to them made he sons of God, to them even who receive his name. And so we are children of God because we have received Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Aren't you so glad that you're a child of God? <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a fine line between humility and self-deprecation, undervaluing oneself. This is, a, this is a prevalent state for that, but we won't talk about that. The whole, I'm going to leave it alone. Why would he refer to himself as a dead dog? Can you picture the image of a dead dog? The dog is dead, first of all. It's dead. Maggots everywhere, smelling real bad. Scavenger birds eaten at this animal, this dead dog. Now let us look at the history of this man. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. 2 Samuel chapter, chapter 4, verse 4. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old with the tidings came when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan. By this time, Saul and Jonathan have been killed. Out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. The grandson and the heir of a rebellious and defeated king, a king that died in shame. Now we're beginning to see why he was the way he was. He was lame in his feet. King David is looking for the, the heir, the, the offspring of Jonathan. And David is looking for this young fella. And Ziba has already told him, 
but he's lame in his feet. Both ankles probably broken, probably walking in a great deal of pain. Why did you come for me? I'm such a dead dog. You can't bless me. Lame in his feet. A man who was lame in both his feet. A man who was living in fear and hiding. He did not know about the covenant between Jonathan and David. It was customary for the leader of a new royal dynasty to execute all potential heirs of the farmer dynasty. Mephibosheth did not think too much of himself. A dead dog means worthless, insignificant. Mephibosheth had a low self-esteem. Because of how he perceived himself, he, he could not freely receive the offering and blessing from King David. Many believers, because of how they perceived themselves, because of their low self-esteem, hinder the blessings and, and promises of God. Who dropped you? Was it your daddy? Who dropped you? Was it your mammy? Who dropped you? Was it that teacher that said you wouldn't amount to anything? Who dropped you? Was it your classmate, your schoolmates when you were growing up? Who dropped you? Was it that molestation that took place? Who dropped you? And so now you're born again believing you don't freely receive the blessings of the Lord. I'm talking to someone here. I'm talking to that certain student today. Maybe it doesn't apply to you. But when we look at our lives, somewhere down the road, we were dropped. Somewhere down the road, and we ended up with crippled legs. And we try to live the best way we can. But I want to tell you right now, I'm jumping ahead of my message. You serve an awesome king. And because you're a child of the king, you are royalty. Now, what is self-esteem? Self-esteem refers to how you think and feel about yourself. The thoughts and feelings you have about yourself may be positive, negative, or mixed. The more positive these thoughts and feelings are, the higher your self-esteem will be. On, on, on the other hand, the more negative these thoughts and feelings are, the lower your self-esteem will be. Low self-esteem is very common, even amongst those who call themselves heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is difficult to estimate its occurrence since it's often a component of other emotional difficulties. One may experience some of all of the following. I'm easily hurt by criticism. I'm very shy. I may be overly aggressive. I try to hide my feelings from others. I fear close relationships because I fear rejection. I tend to blame myself. I am not as attractive, smart, funny, etc. as you are. I do not recognize my own good qualities. I do not feel I have much to offer. I avoid new experiences. When I do succeed, I tend to attribute it to luck. There's no such thing as luck for the born-again believer. Can I get an amen on that one? I may secretly feel glad when others fail. I believe that things just happen to me, that I have no personal control. I sometimes feel like an outsider. I'm scared of failure. I'm, I feel I'm overachieving. I'm always trying to please others and have trouble saying no. Sometimes I feel lonely when others are around me. I feel depressed. I sometimes think of harming myself. I cannot accept compliments. Who are you in God? Who am I in God? I'm a God. I am God's child. 
I'm seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. I'm God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I am God's temple. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I said I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. I've been justified. I'm a minister of reconciliation. I've been bought with a price and I belong to God. Hallelujah. I'm a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine and the channel of his love. As a disciple, I'm a friend of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. God wants to show his kindness to his people because he keeps his promises. Because he wants to take us out of a desolate place. Because we are children of royalty. Because it does not matter who we are. We will see that King David is a type of or symbolic of God. And what God can do in the life of a person if we let him. If we let him. God wants to show his kindness to his people because he keeps his promises. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 through 3, and I'm, I'm moving right through this. And David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, art thou Ziba? And he said, thy servant is he. And the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul? that I may show kindness of God unto him. And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet set, hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. God's promises are unfailing. What God has said to you, you can stand on it. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God's thoughts towards us are thoughts of peace. God's promises are assured by divine ability. I want to tell you something right now. God has got some skills. God is more than able. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God has divine ability. Hallelujah. Romans 4.21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. God is able. Can somebody talk back to me? God is able. God is more than able. Hallelujah. God's promises are grounded in Jesus Christ. For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. As yea is his word, so amen is his oath. Two unchangeable things, his word and his oath, which makes it impossible for God to lie. Aren't you so glad that you serve a God that doesn't lie? Woo! God's promises concludes in everlasting life. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. One day, y'all, I'm going to be able to meet Jesus face to face. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll be singing and shouting the victory. How many of you know you got victory right now? How many of you know that you're a winner right now? How many of you know that you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, our Lord? 
Woo! God wants to show his kindness. Point number two, kindness to people because he wants to take us out of a desolate place. And the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he's in the house of Machir, verse 4 through 5, the son of Amniel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amniel from Lodabar. Lodabar. This is where Mephibosheth went. He went to a desolate place. Lodabar means desolate and pastureless place. Lodabar means barren, dry, no vegetation. As a born-again believer, we don't have to be in a barren place. But yet, a number of us struggle in that barren place. We struggle with unbelief. We struggle with depression. We struggle with fear. We don't have to. We can get out of that barren place. If you've repented of your sins and have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are in a place of paradise. Yeah, that's what I said. A place of paradise because you walk with the king. David wanted to know where he was. Jesus brought me out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and he set my feet upon the rock to stay. Christ, the solid rock, I stand on him. It's a rock that doesn't roll. David fetched him out. Just like David fetched him out, Jesus fetched us. He came to seek and to save us from our sins. Point number three, God wants to show his kindness to his people because we are children of royalty. Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 9. Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. For as, as Meshivasheth said to the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. What an honor. What a privilege. Mephibosheth was restored to a right place, a right relationship with the king. When we come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we have been restored into a right relationship with Jesus. We become his kids. We become princes and princesses. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That word peculiar doesn't mean strange. Even though the world may look at us as strange. In, in the case of God, peculiar means we are special to him. We are his beloved. That ye should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And my last point, God wants to show his kindness to his people because it does not matter who we are. 2 Samuel 9.13, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. And so despite the fact that Mephibosheth came from a place of desolation, he was royalty. 
He was the grandson of King Saul. So that makes him a prince. And many of us are walking as princesses and princesses, but yet we are in that desolate place. I know I'm talking to at least one person here. But because you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, we can escape it. We can eat continually. Mephibosheth ate continually at the king's table, despite the fact that he was lame in his feet. Mephibosheth means exterminator of shame, exterminator of idols. When David came and found Mephibosheth, the shame was exterminated. When we come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the shame was exterminated. When, the, when we had was dropped that many years ago or two years ago or two weeks ago, when we were dropped and we ended up with the crippled legs, because we know Christ is Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the shame has been exterminated. Somebody cry out, the shame has been exterminated. Oh, come on, talk back to me. I've seen you in class. The shame has been exterminated. Oh, man, I can't hear you. The shame has been exterminated. Yeah, it's been exterminated. The shame has been exterminated because we serve a great, awesome God. He went to Calvary's cross for us and shed his blood at the cross. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? The shame has been exterminated. The shame has been exterminated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. David's grace toward Mephibosheth is a wonderful picture of God's grace towards us. God's grace is extended for the sake of another. God's grace is given to those who are alienated both by their family history and their own actions. You may have dropped your own self. Maybe you did something that you still can't forgive yourself about. Whew. I want to say, if you know Christ is your Lord and Savior today, I won't assume that everybody in this room is saved. I'm an evangelist preacher, so I, when I come into a meeting, I'm believing there's at least one person in that room that ain't saved. Oh, nobody laughing with me. So if you don't know Christ today, the opportunity is here for you. But if you know Christ today, the shame has already been exterminated. It's already been done. It was done some 2,000 years at Mount Calvary. Whew. When he said it was finished, it was finished. And then when he went in the grave and came out, it, it, it confirmed the victory. We overcame the world. When Jesus walked out of the grave. Woo! Man, I'm preaching better than you're reacting. God's grace is given to those who are alienated both by their family history and their own actions. God's grace must be received in humility. God's grace does more than give back what it lost. It restores. It recovers. It repairs. It heals. It delivers. Have you been healed today? Have you been delivered today? Have you been set free today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God's grace gives the right of access and fellowship with Jesus. We can boldly come to the throne of grace. 
we can boldly come to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. In the time of need, obtaining faith, grace, and mercy. Because Jesus took place. He took our place. He took care of it. And so when, we, when the enemy accuses you, when the enemy tells you you're fornicator, when the enemy tells you you're a liar, when the enemy tells you you've been, you've been dropped, and he will tell you, Jesus says not so. Jesus says it's been covered under the blood. Understand, understand, understand. In the Old Testament, the blood only covered sin. But when Jesus died at Calvary's cross, it not only covered sin, it removed it. Woo! He sanctified us. Now, am I talking to some Pentecostal believers in the place today? Is this a Methodist? Is this a Methodist school? Is this a Pentecostal school? Yeah. Well, somebody give me some glory. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Woo! I'm concerned I might not be able to preach again. But you know what? I'm going to get loose right now. Woo! He's worthy of the praise. He's worthy of the glory. He's worthy of the honor. God's grace gives the right of access and fellowship with Jesus. Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Jesus Christ. <laughs> and if ye be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. Hey, look. Ask me what. Hey, look. I got a promise coming to me because I'm an heir of Abraham through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And I thank God for that. I'm royalty. How about you? Your chosen generation, your royal, royal priesthood. Now we hear about Prince Harry. Is that his name? He gave up his royalty. But this kind of royalty, you don't give up. Because there are promises waiting for me in heaven. Some of, anybody know they got a crown waiting for them? Does anybody know that? Oh, you're not talking back to me. We are closing. We are accepted. We are secured. And we are significant in Jesus Christ. To the born-again believer, we need to realize that self-esteem is something we should acquire from God and knowing who we are in God. So who are you in God? Who am I in God? I'm God's child. I'm seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. I'm God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I'm God's temple. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I've been justified. I'm a minister of reconciliation for God. I'm united with the Lord and I am with him in spirit. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I'm his own. The praise team can come up. I've been brought with a price 
and I belong to God. I'm a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine and the channel of his life. I'm a friend of Jesus Christ. I've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. So I just want to say one more time, God wants to show his kindness to us because he keeps his promises. Because he wants to take us out of a desolate place. Because we are children of royalty. Because it does not matter who we are. I want to say I don't have any classes today. And so the altar is open. Because when I preach, part of the ministry is not just preaching the word, but ministering to the altar. And maybe there was something that was said in this message today that spoke to you. And so the altar is open. We can touch and agree. I just want to pray for somebody. If it spoke to you today, if it spoke to you today, I want to say, why not you? Why not you be blessed? If you know Christ is your Savior, you are blessed. And so I want to pray for you today. The altar is open. Now I recognize I'm kind of big. And sometimes folk don't come to the altar because, you know, that dude, man, he's, he's pretty big. He's pretty huge. So what I do is this. Come to the altar. If you need prayer today, the altar is open for you. I'm done. Praise team can go forth. But the altar is open.